The title of my message this morning is Samson Meets His Match. Samson Meets His Match. And really, it's a crazy love story. It's kind of a one-sided love story and really would make a great drama. Uh, but Samson here, uh, uh, of course, has been judging Israel for many years. He goes down to Gaza. If you remember two weeks ago, he just kind of slides out of of destruction by the mercy of God and by God's help. And then he ends up, of course, getting back. And we don't know how long it took, uh, took place, but eventually he finds himself in love with another woman in the valley of Sorek. And we see he meets his match. It reminds me of, of the man who uh, was working at a tractor trailer company, loading trucks. And, and he thought he was all alone and no one could hear him. And it, kind of gotten a little monotonous uh, to a point. And so he started whistling for all he was worth. And it helped him get through the trailer. And he was almost done. And he was feeling pretty good about himself when uh, out of nowhere, the coworker, the trailer over, stuck his head in. And he says, oh, you know, I always used to wish I could whistle. The man thought, wow, I must, have, I must have sounded pretty good. He goes, but now I just wish you could whistle. <laughs> and uh, sometimes we meet our match. Sometimes we feel like we're doing pretty good and realize we're not. It reminded me of a husband and wife who had this competition. Who could walk the most steps in a day? And she had a Fitbit on and he had a, a, a fitness tracker. And, and there was this big duel going on. And every day they get back and compare. And, and one day... Uh, 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 the girl, their daughter went to school and the teacher noticed she had a Fitbit on. For those who don't know what that is, it's one of those fancy uh, exercise fitness watches. And she had that on and the teacher was impressed and said, wow, you know, what does a girl like you have, your age, have a Fitbit on? That's a pretty, pretty neat little watch. She goes, oh, you know, I just wear it for, for mommy so she can show daddy when he gets home. And, uh, you know, we're very competitive sometimes. We're, we're always going at each other. And Samson here meets his match. And Samson finds himself really thinking he's really there. He's got it. But for the first time in a long time, his pride is going to, to, to nip him, if you will. And uh, I want us to see four things this morning in Samson's life. Uh, that he met his match in and eventually uh, really affected him majorly. And the first one, if you're writing, is uh, in Loose Woman. In Loose Woman, he met his match in Loose Women. The Bible says in verse 1, And it came to pass afterward that he loved a woman in the valley of Sorak. Now this is the first time, this isn't the first time Samson's been smitten by someone, but it's the first time he's actually been in love with someone. But what's interesting here is, is uh, the woman at Timnath wasn't necessarily in love with him, and the harlot in Geza wasn't necessarily, uh, 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 he wasn't necessarily in love with. But Delilah here now, he feels like he's really in love with her. But it may not be a mutual thing. It might be kind of one-sided. Now, maybe Delilah was a little bit infatuated with him and was kind of curious about it, excited about it. I mean, after all, uh, Samson was the strongest man. He was a hero. He could have been a fugitive, though of course, from the Philistines. And maybe there was something about him. He had a little bit of charm and she kind of liked him. But uh, we, it doesn't say she loved him, but he obviously loved her. In fact, in verse number 17, he trusted her with his most valuable uh, secrets. And we see that Samson is, is just not where he's supposed to be right now. He has totally forgotten what his mission is. And his mission and purpose is to judge the people of Israel and begin to deliver them 
out of the Philistines. And reminds me of the new busboy who was at the local restaurant. And he was 16 years old. It was his first job. And everybody was impressed with how hard he worked and how much he did that first day. And they were just thinking, man, we hired the greatest guy. Well, the next morning they came in and he didn't show up for work. And they were so disappointed in him. He came an hour late. He was red-faced. Sweat was flying everywhere. And he was breathless. And he says, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. He says, I woke up this morning and I forgot I had a job. And, you know, Samson here has forgotten what he's supposed to be doing. He's forgotten his job. He's forgotten his judgeship. And we find himself playing around, if you will, with the woman he had no business being about. And Milton said this about Delilah. She was one who played the harlot among the Philistines. So she was known amongst the Philistine leaders, as we'll see in a little bit. She's known among the Jewish fathers, if you will. Everybody knows to steer clear of her. But Samson thinks, I can handle her. Uh, She, of course, was probably very beautiful. She probably had a great personality. She was probably uh, someone that people wanted to get around. And Samson thought, I got her. I can control myself. I can still uh, enjoy the company of her and still do perhaps what God has me to do. But the Bible says she's in the Valley of Sorak. This is very famous uh, for its vines. It's an about a mile and a half from Eshkol. If you remember the grapes of Eshkol, the spies, uh, 12 men meant to spy on Canaan. 10 were bad and 2 were good. And they would carry back these big grapevines. And, and so it was something that was probably known for its wine. It was probably an area where people would go to. And this is kind of where Delilah hung out. And the word Delilah means tender or delicate. But it also means uh, a traitress, which is a female who betrays her country or her trust. And that's just what she did, uh, of course, to uh, 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 Samson. And, and they're constantly trying to figure out what exactly was the right thing to do. And Samson and Delilah kind of had this little bit of argument going on. And, of course, he was trying to get her. And he's smitten with her. He loves her. And he thinks that she loves him. But not so fast. She wasn't necessarily in love with him. And it's important for us to understand that we need to be careful who we're allowing ourselves to fall in love with. And the world, the flesh, and the devil is constantly coming after us. But may we be Christians who fall in love with Jesus Christ. The Bible says in Proverbs 31, verse 12, she will do him good and not evil all the days of her life. It does matter who we allow ourselves to become attached to and in love with. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 6, 14, be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Uh, It does matter who you allow yourself to get in touch with and and to really uh, give your heart to. And may I encourage us to find, though especially our younger teenagers, younger adults, maybe who haven't gotten married yet, find a young man or a young woman who is in love with Jesus. So we see here Samson met his match in Loose Woman. He was smitten by her. He was in love with her, but she probably wasn't so much in love with him. But second of all, today I want to see he he met his match in longing for wealth and longing for wealth. The Bible says in verse 5, and the lords of the Philistines came up unto her. Now there's five major cities here. There's, of course, Gaza, as we talked about a couple weeks ago. There's Ashkelon. There's a few others. There's five major cities, and each of those cities has a lord, if you will, has a commander, and they work well together, and they become this really informable uh, place. The Philistines were very powerful people because they worked so well together, but each of these cities had a leader, and they all came to Delilah, and they said this, entice him, and see wherein his great strength lieth. Okay, so the word entice means to be simple, or to be gullible. It's really acting 
like an innocent person for the full purpose of deceiving. So Samson here is, of course, coming down to be with Delilah. And he, of course, he thinks she's beautiful and he's in love with her. And, and, and the, the lords of the Philistines came to her and says, Hey, you got Samson right where we want him. This is his weakness. I want you to act very simple. Act like you don't know what's going on. Uh, be all beauty and no brains. And try to, let, try to discover what it is that's that is so powerful to him. And the Bible uh, says there, see wherein his great strength lieth. You see that the Philistines were very superstitious. They probably assumed that Samson possessed some kind of amulet or something that gave him this power. Maybe a good luck charm, maybe a rabbit's foot, if you will. Something that caused him to have this much power. But yet we all know that the power came from God. And so she, they said entice him, and she's thinking, well, why would I do this? I kind of like him. I kind of like him being here. No, I'm not in love with him, but, you know, why would I do this? And they says, hey, we, we got you covered here. Uh, we're going to give you 1,100 pieces of silver. Not just one of us, but every one of us is. That's 5,500 pieces of silver. Put that in perspective. The average person in that day could live a modest living on 10 pieces of silver. So you're talking about winning the lottery, if you will. You're talking about 5,500 pieces of silver. This is a, a fortune of a lifetime. And so they come to her and say, hey, will you entice him? Will you find out what his secret and strength is? If you'll do this, we'll give you 5,500 pieces of silver. Well, she thought long and hard on that for about two seconds. <laughs> sure, I'll do that. And we see here that money can control someone. Uh, I think Samson could have been motivated by wealth at times. He killed those, uh, if you remember, he killed those 30, 33 people, I believe, to get their changes of garments to pay his gambling debt. I think he was attracted to wealth. I think he liked power. I think he liked that kind of stuff. And uh, here now it's going to come back to get him. Here's someone who's going to come out to get him for money. And I say this morning that money can control us. Money can actually corrupt us if we're not careful. The Bible says in 1 Timothy 6, 7, For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us be there with content. But they that will be rich fall in temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. You don't have to fall into lust because you have wealth. But it's a very big temptation and a snare. We have to be careful with what God gives us. We've got to make sure it's not controlling us, but we're allowing it to be under control, if you will. And Delilah here totally throws Samson under the bus, if you will. And she says, okay, if you're going to give me all this money, I'll go for it. The Bible says in verse 6, And Delilah said to Samson, Tell me, I pray thee, wherein thy great strength lieth, and wherein thou mightest be bound to afflict thee. Of course, Samson thinks, okay. Well, if you're going to uh, 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 have a little game, I'll play along. You want to know where my strength lieth? Well, I'll, I'll play this game with you. And, of course, his pride's getting the best of him. She, of course, is, is coming across very simplistic. Like, I don't know what, what's going on. I don't know what I'm doing. And, and he feeds right into it. And so the Bible shows us Samson's deceit. And if, if you're writing number, th- oh, there, uh, number three is misleading words. We see the misleading words from Samson. If you're writing, we see Samson's deceit. He first says these green wisps. And he says in verse 7, If you'll bind me with seven green wisps that were never dried, then I will be weak. Now what's interesting here is these wisps 
our animal intestines, if you will, the sinew, if you will, that had never been dried. And so these come from a dead animal carcass, which was part of his Nazarite vow he was not supposed to touch. And he says, if you'll tie me up with this, then I will be your, you'll find the secret to my strength. So what does she do in verse 8? Uh, the lords of the Philistines brought up these seven green Swiss, and she bound him with them. Now, he must have known that he could break them. I don't know. It, some believe maybe he could have been drunk. Of course, the Valley of Eshkel there, there could have been much wine there. He could have been a little bit drunk when he did this. We don't know. And the, uh, what's interesting here in verse 9, the Bible says, there were men lying in wait, abiding with her in the chamber. So, I mean, she's in this apartment, one two-bedroom house, whatever the case may be, and there's men laying in wait there. I mean, it's kind of, kind of disturbing that Samson couldn't even tell there's other people there. And, of course, when he's tied up, and, and he, the, the, Delilah says, the, 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 the Philistines be upon thee, and he woke up and he broke the whisk, as a thread of toe is broken when it touches the fire. So his strength was not known. Of course, Delilah loves this. Say, so how do you know this? Look at verse 10. And Delilah said unto Samson, Behold, thou hast mocked me and told me lies. She was not happy. I mean, isn't that a true love story? You know, Samson, if you really love me, you'll tell me where your strength comes from. Okay, let me tell you. You lied to me. I hate you. You know, that should have been enough for Samson to say, you know what? I ain't going down this journey. But I think Samson kind of likes this. He, he, he's kind of involved in this game. And he says, you know what, okay. Well, if you like that one, let me tell you another one. He says, how about some new ropes? The Bible says in verse 11. And he said unto her, if they bind me fast with new ropes that were never occupied, then, I should be, I, then shall I be weak and be as any other man. Now, green ropes are very strong. Perhaps Delilah had forgotten that the, uh, the men of Judah had already tied up Samson and he had broke through. Or maybe she had never heard that story. But she ties him up, of course, with the green ropes. And the Bible says in verse number uh, 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 12 that he break them off of his arms like a thread. And so once again, Delilah says, you have mocked me and told me lies. And she's getting ticked. You can tell she's getting upset. And Samson, of course, thinks this is kind of humorous. And then he says, OK, let me give you one more. If you will give me the seven locks, in verse 13, if thou weavest the seven locks in my head with the web. Now, what's very interesting is Delilah takes a loom and weaves his hair into it. Now, my hair isn't very long. I've never had it braided. I have watched girls wince in pain as their hair is braided. And so I can only imagine that Samson probably wasn't... It says he was sleeping during this time. Now, how in the world... Did he sleep through that? Well, once again, he could have been drunk. We don't know exactly. But uh, uh, we see that he awakened out of his sleep and went away with the pin of the beam and with the web. And she's getting very upset. So we see Samson's deceit. And he's getting the, I think he's getting the last laugh. But not so fast, Samson. Because once again, we see Samson meets his match. We see Delilah's demands. The Bible says there in verse 15, she says, How canst thou say I love thee when thine heart is not with me? And then she says, she pressed him daily, in verse 16, with her words and urged him so that his soul was vexed unto death. I mean, she's getting to that point where he just can't handle it anymore. The game is starting not to become so much fun. It's like telling your kids that you're going to go to uh, the water park, you know, three months in advance. You know, 
and you should have waited three hours in advance, you know. And it's just more constant. Are we there yet? Uh, uh, what, when are you going to tell me? I thought you really loved me. And you got to see this beautiful woman, if you will, starts becoming more and more less beautiful because she's just becoming a nag. Of course, the Bible says in, in Proverbs 27, verse 15, a continual dropping and a very rainy day and a contentious woman are alike. And so we see this woman keeps pressing him. The Bible says in verse number 17, finally Samson gives in. The Bible says, then he told her all his heart and said unto her, there hath not come a razor upon mine head, uh, for I have been a Nazarite unto God. Now he had touched dead bodies constantly. He had drunken alcohol probably uh, at his wedding party and other times. He has never gotten his hair cut. And he finally gets to the point where he just shares too much. It reminds me of the story about an Uber driver and he was driving this man across a new bridge. And it was a very confusing bridge. It didn't make a lot of sense. And uh, he got, got kind of in the wrong lane and ended up costing him some time. So he muttered under his breath, the Uber driver did, I'd love to meet the genius who designed this mess. Little did he know that the passenger behind him extended his hand in my direction and said, well, today is your lucky day. My name is Mike and I work for the county engineer's office. And I'm the genius who designed this. <laughs> Sometimes you go with your foot in your mouth, do you not? And Samson's getting to that point where he is digging himself a hole. He's given too much. And we see once again, Samson meets his match, of course, with the loose women, of course, with his, with his words, with his wealth. And then last of all, I want us to see in a learned whist. In a learned whist. Now that word whist is not a word we use very often, but the Bible does use that. And so, kind of playing off that, but we see Delilah's lasting wealth in verse 18. And when she had saw that, when Delilah saw that he told her all his heart, she sent and called for the lords of the Philistines, saying, Come upon this once, for he has showed me all his heart. Then the lords of the Philistines came up unto her and brought money in their hand. She goes, Okay. She... He told me all his heart. But before I give it to you, pay up, buddy. And so they do. They pay up and she becomes a very wealthy man. The Bible uh, says that she uh, 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 said the Philistines be upon the Samson. So what happens is she calls for a man and she calls him to shave off the seven locks of his head. Now, I got to thinking, okay, I got a haircut this week. And though the the buzz of the razor was kind of therapeutic, you know. And I'm one of those guys that I don't need you to talk to me for 27 minutes cutting my hair, you know. Just let me snooze a little bit, you know. Um, you know, whatever. But some people, I, th- I think they talk to you so much so that you don't, you don't look at your hair. And then you're done and you don't, they don't have to fix anything. But anyways, uh, here he is getting his hair cut. I doubt he had an electric razor. He probably had the shears. And I'm sure it wasn't a professional barber that's going to cut his hair. So how in the world does he allow them to cut his hair? Well, uh, Ellicott said this. I thought it was interesting for those who like, you know, little nuggets. She made him sleep upon her knees and uh, probably gave him mandrake. I looked up mandrake and it was very common in that area. It's actually a narcotic. She actually put some sleeping drops in his wine, if you will. And uh, here he comes drugged, and she cuts his hair, and uh, she becomes less and less beautiful. It reminds me of an English teacher who was teaching a class, and here she is teaching, and she says, 
I, 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 I'm posing this question and you tell me what tense it is. She says, I am beautiful. And one student raised her hand. That's definitely past tense, she said. And, uh, you know, sometimes uh, we find ourselves uh, uh, seeing this outward beauty is becoming very, very shallow. And the inward beauty is not so much found. And Delilah here has finally gotten what she wanted. And Samson loses everything. Samson plays with fire. The Bible says in Proverbs 6, 27, Can a man take a fire in his bosom and his clothes not be burned? Can one go up upon hot coals and his feet not be burned? And we see sin will take everything from us. Uh, So what happens? Well, we see Delilah, uh, uh, of course, has some lasting wealth now. She becomes a very wealthy woman. And Samson loses his power. The Bible says in verse 20, She said, The Philistines be upon thee, Samson. Of course, there's men in the chamber. They're ready. They're watching. They're, They're ready to attack him. And he woke out of his sleep and said, I will go out as other times before. Now, something tells me here. He knew he had crossed the line. It was almost like he was challenging God. And ironically, he's actually choosing the love of Delilah over the love of God. And he says, I will go out as other times and shake myself. And he wist not, there's that word wist, that the Lord was departed from him. He had no idea God had left him. May I say, dear people, that is a dangerous place to be. When you have grieved and quenched the Spirit so much that you don't even realize He's not with you. Uh, Speaking of uh, not realizing God was there, uh, there was a a nurse who told the story of she was in a children's hospital one day and there was a young boy named Johnny that just wouldn't go to sleep. He kept singing and talking and so finally she pressed, pressed the intercom button and said, All right, Johnny, it's time to go to sleep now. There was quiet in the room. And so the nurse kept the intercom button push and thought, I wonder what he's going to say. And a few minutes later, a little voice softly said, Okay, God, I will. And he didn't hear a peep out of him until morning. (laughs) You know, here was a young boy who really thought God was there. But may I say, Samson here doesn't even know that God has departed from him. And what does Samson lose? Well, look at verse 21. But the Philistines took him and put out his eyes and brought him down to Gaza. What's interesting about Gaza? Remember a couple weeks ago? Gaza is where Samson went for pleasure, did he not? He goes with full freedom. Now Samson goes to Gaza with no freedom. He goes bound, and the Bible says the Philistines took him. Samson no longer can go about as he pleases. No, now he's in bondage to his sin. The Bible says that Samson lost his vision. The Bible says they put out his eyes. They blinded him so he'd be easier to control. He lost his dignity. The first time he went to Gaza was the purpose of finding pleasure. Now he goes to Gaza. Uh, He goes to Gaza for a woman. Now he goes to Gaza doing the work of a woman. Now, this was back then. I'm not saying this is the case today. But back then, when you ground grain, the Bible says there, he did grind in the prison house. That was what women typically did. That's what slaves even did. That was what, The reason why we know that is because Abimelech, of course, was killed, if you remember a judge previously, because they cast a millstone on his head. So he's literally grinding, doing the work of a woman. Now, 
I say that to say a, a leader, a judge would have never done that. He loses his dignity, he loses his vision, he loses his freedom, and he loses his fellowship with God. The Bible said the Lord was departed from him. He's touched a dead body multiple times. He's drunk in alcohol and wine feast. And now he finally allows his hair to be cut, the last straw. And God says, okay, you want to choose sin? You want to choose Delilah? You want to choose temptation, lust over me? Fine. But you're going to lose everything. And Samson did. We see Samson lost so much. Remember Saul, the Bible says the spirit of the Lord departed from him. And an evil spirit from the Lord troubled him. The Amalekites and the Canaanites, the Bible says, are there before you in Numbers 14. And ye shall fall by the sword because ye turned away from the Lord. Therefore the Lord will not be with you. We too, the Bible says, and grieve not the Spirit of God. We too can keep God from working in our lives if we're not careful. Someone said a story of being trapped in an elevator for 30 minutes. A little bit claustrophobic. The doors finally opened and he was just as relieved as can be. And he said to the fellow hostage in there, there's a first time for everything. To which the other hostage grumbled back. And there's a last time for everything and I'll never use an elevator again. And I think Samson gets to a place where he realizes, wow, what did I just do? I never want to do that again, but it was too late. He finds himself in bondage. Samson paid the price of sin, 1 Corinthians 9, 27. Paul understood what that price was. But I keep my body under subjection, lest by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. Last of all, I want us to see, kind of as I wrap things up, and I'll be done in just a minute or two, we see the most sad thing was Samson's wickedness. It cost him. He needed a savior. Even though he was supposed to bring the people out of bondage and help deliver them from the Philistines. He was God's chosen judge. He was designed and created just for this purpose. He now finds himself lost in his own wickedness. May I say today, we all were, were born, but we are all shaped in iniquity in Psalms 51 verse 5. And in sin did my mother conceive me, the Bible says. Romans 5.12 says there is none righteous. Uh, uh, Romans 3.10, there is none righteous, no, not one. Romans 5.12 says, Wherefore is by one man sin into the world, and death by sin, so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. And do you realize this morning you can be a good person, doing good things. But if you've done wrong, you've missed the mark. You've missed, you've missed salvation. You have no hope. The Bible says for the wages of sin is death. And Samson here needed a redeemer. He needed a judge. He needed help. He had no hope. He was bound by his own sin. He was suffocating, if you will, in his own sin. He had no hope, no promise, no, no future, no bright future. He needed a savior. And may I say today, we've all been bound by our sin. You say, well, Pastor Justin, I'm a pretty good guy, a pretty good lady. I do my best. But the Bible says there is none righteous, no, not one. You've sinned. The Bible says, for the wage of sin is death. But I'm happy to say today that the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Do you realize that God loved you so much that he gave himself on the cross for you? You must realize you are in need of a Savior. And you must give your life to Christ. 
By the way, if you'll do that, Jesus says he'll save you. For whosoever shall call upon him, Lord, shall be saved. We need Jesus. Reminded me of a customer who walked into a post office wanting to mail a package. The clerk looked at him and says, Two-day shipping will cost $12.95. You'll get it there by Friday. My coworker Billy told her. The customer, clearly looking to save a few bucks, said, The package doesn't have to get there till Saturday. Is there any way to make that happen? The post office guy said, Sure, you can bring it back tomorrow on Sunday. You know. And sometimes we think we, we, we can try to do things on our own. We can be good enough. We can try to work our way. We can try to make things all okay. But Samson had gotten to a point where he had no hope. And you and I must get to that point where we realize we have no hope but Jesus. The Bible says, for without me, ye can do nothing. May we confess our sins to God. May we give our life to him. May we realize he is the only way. In a, in a day and age we live in where there's multiple solutions, if you will, for our sin, there's only one way, and that's through Jesus Christ. There was a man who was visiting Annapolis. And while he was there, he noticed several university students on their hands and knees with a clipboard and a piece of paper tallying things. And he says, what in the world are they doing? He says, well, every year the seniors ask the freshmen how many bricks it takes to finish paving this courtyard. And they'll add it all up and tell them. The man says, oh, that's interesting, he asked the guide. How, how many bricks does it fin- take to finish the courtyard? And the man said, one. <laughs> you know, They counted it all up and realized at the end it only took one to finish it. May I say, you can try every avenue. You can try every way you can. The world gives you all kinds of solutions. But there's only one way to Jesus. There's only one way to freedom. Spiritually, and that is through Jesus Christ alone. May I encourage you today to realize that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believed in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Every head bowed, every eye closed this morning. Maybe that's you today. You say, Pastor Justin, I don't know for sure I'm going to heaven. I realize today, like Samson, I need help. Even in my good, good deeds, I'm not good enough. I need Jesus. I need him. I need his presence. I need his power of the cross. I need his precious shed blood to cover my sin. I need Jesus in my life. I'm not for sure I'm going to heaven. I've tried good things. I've tried going to church even, but I just don't know for sure. How many would say with heads bowed and eyes closed and I won't embarrass you at all? But I just want to pray for you. How many would say, Pastor Justin, that's me. I don't know for sure I'm going to heaven. But I sure would like to if Jesus would let me. If that's you, will you slip up your hand real quick? I want to pray for you. Anybody this morning that would say, Pastor Justin, that's me. God bless you. I see that hand. Anybody else? I see that hand in the back. God bless you. I see that hand over there as well. I see that hand in the back as well. You know what Jesus said he would do? If you'll believe and trust in him, repent of your way of thinking, and invite him into your life, you can be saved. Here's what I did as a 10-year-old boy, and Jesus saved me. I prayed a prayer and invited him in. What I want to help you do is pray that prayer right now. No one's looking around. You can pray it in your heart. You don't got to say it out loud. Just say something like this in your heart. Say, Dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner, and I deserve to go to hell. 
but I don't want to go there. Lord, I believe and trust in you and invite you into my life. Please come to my heart and save me so I can go to heaven when I die. Thank you, Jesus. With heads bowed and eyes closed, how many would say, Pastor Justin, I just prayed that prayer in my heart. I just prayed and accepted Christ in my life. If that's you, we slip up your hand real quick. I want to rejoice with you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Four or five hands. Thank you so much for doing that. You just, if you just prayed that prayer, you can know for sure you're going to heaven. Jesus Christ said, if you're saved, it's settled in heaven. And you can know for sure without a doubt that you're going to heaven when you die. You can pillow your head tonight knowing, I'm a child of God. Maybe there's someone else today that would say, you know what, Pastor Justin, there's some temptation that's really getting me down. I want to remind you of 1 Corinthians 10, 13. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to men. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way of escape. I'm going to say, Pastor Justin, I'm like Samson. I've been playing around a little bit. And I realized this morning I've met my match. And I don't want to play with sin anymore. I don't want to play with that thing in my life that's tearing me down. That habitual sin, maybe. Maybe that, that, that thing that keeps getting us. And I don't want to do it anymore. I want to decide today that I'm going to say no to sin and yes to the Savior. And I'm going to, I'm going to put Christ as a centerpiece again. And I'm going to get away from my selfish desires. And I'm going to, I'm going to do right. If that's you, we slip your hand this morning. I want to pray for you. God bless you. I see those hands. I see those hands all over. Maybe there's some today that would say, Pastor Justin, I, I don't feel like I've gone down the journey Samson has. But will you pray for me? that I'll stay off that journey, that I'll keep putting Christ first in my life. God will help me do right. If that's you, we slip your hand. I want to pray for you. Maybe there's someone today that would say, Pastor Justin, I'll be honest with you, I'm, I'm carrying a load, a burden, a weight that's really weighing me down. Uh, maybe it's a relationship struggle. Maybe it's a, a something at work. Maybe it's a financial issue. Maybe it's a, a, a health issue you're bearing. Say, Pastor Justin, will you just pray for me? I'm a little overwhelmed today. If that's you, we slip your hand. God bless you. Lord, you see the hands. You know the hearts. Thank you for those who gave their life to you this morning. Lord, some, of, some people here are struggling with some sin. They've been playing with it. And Lord, like Samson, they're going to get burned. They're going to get bit. And I pray you help them to decide today to get victory over that. Lord, several pray to ask for prayer to help them to stay on the straight and narrow. Lord, what a blessing. Lord, that's what we want to do. Lord, others have a need, a burden. They're bearing a load. And it's really, it's really driving them. It's really hurting them, Lord. It's, it, it's really causing them to struggle. But I pray you'll help them get victory over that. You'll give them strength. you give them comfort. Thank you so much for loving us, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. If you could stand to your feet. The piano is going to play. We have what's called an invitation here. This is for those who'd like to make a decision for the Lord. Maybe you'd like to come forward and pray. Spend time with God. Maybe you'd like to follow Lord in baptism, or maybe you'd like to have someone pray with you. Maybe you have a burden. Maybe you're uh, uh, interested in maybe joining the church. We'd love to talk to you about that. But as we kind of finish out the service today, maybe we have a few minutes of reflection. As God touched your heart, may I encourage you to respond as God would have you to. Maybe you feel like you're where God wants you to be, and that's a great place to be. Maybe I encourage you uh, to just pray for someone around you, maybe. Maybe pray for your spouse. Maybe pray for your kids. Maybe pray for a fellow church member or someone across the room. 
You say, maybe the Lord will put them on your heart. You'll pray for a minute or two for them. As the piano plays, I may encourage you to respond uh, as God would have you to. You may be seated. Uh, two things. First of all, we have a young man named Michael Sonic. I've uh, been a part of our church for a long time now. Uh, had accepted Christ when he was a child and, and kind of got it reassured, reconfirmed in his heart uh, and a couple months ago. And he wants to follow it in baptism today. And his family's back there. I think he even has some family here with him to see him. And he'll be getting baptized here in a few minutes. Brother Hoxie's getting up there, getting ready. And then uh, we're excited about him. Let's give him a hand this morning. And uh, it's always exciting to see people uh, following the Lord in baptism. Of course, you may be sitting here today saying, what's baptism? What's that all about? Uh, Baptism is an outward expression of your inward decision. If you prayed and invited Christ in your life to be saved, then the next step is following him in baptism. It's identifying with Christ, like this ring identifies me with my wife. Of course, our 11 years we celebrated last week. And baptism is identifying with Christ, and it's a wonderful way to take that next step of obedience. And so we're excited for that. At this time, we have a video we're going to share uh, with just a few upcoming events, and then we'll be on our way today. Good morning, and thank you for joining us today. We hope this morning's service was a blessing to you. Join us back here tonight at 5 for a special sermon from our high school youth pastor, T.J. Gardner. Grandview Men's Summer Softball is back this summer, and sign-ups are underway starting today. This is a tremendous opportunity to build a relationship with other men in the church, as well as an opportunity for outreach. The cost will be $40 and will include a team jersey, hat, and several weeks of games. Stop by the welcome desk in the lobby to find more information and sign up today. Our men's advance will be June 23rd and 24th. Join us for preaching by Pastor Stuart Mason and Pastor Jason Murphy, as well as food, fellowship, and games. If you would like to attend this special event, the cost is $25 and your payment can be made online or at the welcome desk following the service. Mark your calendars for our other upcoming events this summer. Vacation Bible School will be held July 10th through the 12th from 6 to 8.30 p.m. and is for children K-4 through 6th grade. If you would like to sign up and help at this event, there's a sign-up sheet available at the Welcome Desk. Kids Summer Blast will be held Wednesday nights throughout the summer, starting on June 14th. And this is for children 4 years through 5th grade. Children will be participating in various workshops throughout the summer. Also, don't miss our Young Adult Conference with Pastor Kurt Skelly on Friday and Saturday, August 11th and 12th. The cost is $25 and includes meals, fellowship, and preaching. We're excited about Team Camp this summer, coming up July 31st through August 4th. The cost is $250 per camper, 
and it's for teens going into seventh grade uh, through this year's graduates. We have information booklets on the welcome desk, and if you have any questions, you can see myself or Derek Vestal, and we'd be happy to help you with that. If you know your teen is going, please sign up on the sign-up sheet that we'll have on the welcome desk, as well as in the teen room, and we're excited about teen camp. Start praying if you would, and God would do something great amongst the teens of our church. If this is your first or second time here, we want to answer your questions and get to know you. Please fill out the Connect card in the pew in front of you and bring it to guest services as you exit the auditorium. We would love to meet you, and you will receive a gift card. Have a great afternoon, and we'll see you tonight at 5. This is Michael Sonic. Michael, have you accepted Christ as your Savior? I have. I baptize you, my brother, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Buried in the likeness of his death, raised in the likeness of his resurrection. Oh, great job, Michael. Let me remind you tonight, um, the Kim family is with us from Korea and, of course, was on staff here years ago, and he will be singing for us tonight. We're looking forward to hearing him as well as hearing Brother TJ preach. I hope he'll be back tonight and look forward to that. You are dismissed.